Well, hello there. It's time for another Monkey See, Monkey Review podcast. If you've not listened to Monkey See, Monkey Review before, you're very welcome. Come on in, sit yourself down. If you've listened to us before and you're a long-time, long-time listener, then uh, you're welcome as always. You know the drill. You know what to expect. I'm Scott. I'm joined each time out by one or more members of the Monkey See family to talk about what we've been watching, including some of the recent releases, uh, things flying under the radar, and some all-time classics. We also talk about the ever-shifting landscape of film and, on occasions, defend maligned, overlooked or underappreciated movies, as well as our regular pitch battles and the always-expanding Tracks of the Trade movie score playlist. So this time out, I am joined by two of the wonderful gentlemen that are regulars on this show. Firstly, it's the guy behind the guy behind the guy. It's Mr. Kevin Haney. <laughs> Hello there. Brilliant. Love that. <laughs> the guy Fantastic. behind the guy. <laughs> Indeed. And also down the other end of the phone, you're my boy, Blue. It's Mr. Craig Woodfield. <laughs> Hello there. Thank you very much. I, I love the intro. I'll, I'll keep that if that's that's all right. If you could do that for the next few times yeah. that I'm on. That's <laughs> wonderful. You are, you are most welcome. I might even mix it up in the future as well. So we, uh, we are missing Mr. Christopher Commander. Uh, he is off being a bard in a yard uh, and if you are uh, if you are wanting to support what, what he's up to if you search for Bard in the Yard on Instagram uh, he'll you'll be able to find out what he's up to uh, good luck to you Chris I'm sure I hope you'll be listening to this soon Kev you were about to say something I was I was about to say like people should chime off in the comments to see if they could get the references that you just put forward there <laughs> definitely for the introduction yes <laughs> the guy behind the guy and my boy blue <laughs> absolutely yes uh, if you if you know what films they're from uh, and if you know Craig, and if you know Kev, it probably won't be a massive surprise which films they are. But uh, yeah, so uh, I, I thought I'd mix it up a little bit this week. <laughs> so, how are you both, gentlemen? Are you well? Yeah, I, I'm. I'm feeling good. The weather is uh, at the moment sort of. Well, it's cloudy at best and uh, completely sort of well flooding at worst. Flooding is that a type of weather? <laughs> that is well. It's just started raining outside down. at the moment, but uh, yeah, I'm doing good. Doing good. How are you both? Yeah, I, I'm very well. Um, I'm being in Northern Ireland. I'm a week behind everybody else, so you know, um, I'm kind of anticipating things opening up a little bit more, and you know, being able to get back to watch uh, watching movies the way they should be watched, and so on. But other than that, you know, I'm all tickety boo. Fantastic. And Craig makes a very good point there because the day that we are recording this is a bit of a monumental day uh, in in England, particularly uh, because we're recording this on Monday, the seventeenth of May. Episode will be out slightly later in the week, and today is the day that we've been waiting for. It's the day that uh, we welcome cinemas back, as well as a lot of other things. You know, we can, we can now hug people if you you know inclined to <laughs> and uh, yeah we're, we're now allowed to go back to the cinemas which is really really exciting uh, i'm still going to be a little bit uh, a little bit hanging back on that one see how everything goes statistically because as i've said on the podcast before i have people at home that i'm sort of shielding and protecting and making sure that they're obviously comfortable and happy but it just feels a little bit more optimistic at the moment because you know we, we have vaccines and we're we're all over the age of 40 so uh, we've all had our first jabs and we, yeah sorry i've just aged us all there haven't i uh, so but there's just this yeah a little bit more of a, a feeling of, of 
optimism, you know, the uh, the new variant aside, which is obviously cause for concern, and hopefully nothing will be too disrupted by that. But uh, but I believe one of our fair number has actually managed to get back to see a film at the cinema today. Oh, I did. It was me, Kevin. Yes, I went back to the cinema today to see the first showing in this particular cinema. So some of the uh, cinema chains, the major chains, Odeon, View, they've opened already. Cineworld's slightly behind. They're going to be opening a little bit later in the week. Uh, and then you've got some independent cinemas like the Prince Charles in London as well, because obviously I'm London-based. They're all opening. So I went and caught uh, a, a, a film of View, which was good. And it was good to be back at the cinema. I booked an advanced they're still doing the spacing thing as i um so when you book your seat the two seats either side of you kind of like space out uh, and uh, then when you go in you've got to kind of hand sanitize you've got to scan the trace and track app and all of that kind of stuff so i would say that the cinema kind of like hygiene and and kind of like covid secure um elements of it are as good as they were when we came out of the lockdown for a brief period last summer um this is actually the longest time i've ever been in my entire life where i haven't actually been back to the cinema so this was really good the last film i think i saw also out of you was the um uh, the craft the craft legacy is that was is that what it was called craft, yes craft it was, legacy. yeah the, the, yeah so i saw related that sequel and then returned to the the same screen to watch spiral from the book of saw today which was good so it's it, it was yeah it was it was good to be back in the cinema uh, it was busier than i thought it would be but uh, just yeah literally mm. kind of being in the room that was kind of you know big dark nice sound system watching a big screen it was good though it was a it was a bit kind of like it felt like um i've gone back in time a little bit because the trailers i was still seeing were quiet place part two and all of that kind of and i was there thinking this is really weird it feels like kind of it's a it's a bit of an odd experience when you go back and watch films in the cinema and you're seeing these kind of like adverts and trailers and things actually as i walked in they had a big display for emma and it said in cinemas this Valentine's Day, and I was like, my God, <laughs> they've, <laughs> they've still got that on display, and it's probably been up for over a year. In fact, when they probably take it out of the frame, it'll probably be kind of like burned in. Um, you probably yeah. still see the image there, but yeah, it's weird. So cinemas at the moment are doing their best, I think, to try and reopen, but also as well, they're still stuck in uh, a year ago. It still feels very much like it did a year ago if you're actually in the cinemas. Uh, and the films yeah. that they're showing, obviously Spiral uh, from the Book of Saw was, is a new release. Uh, they've got a couple of other mm. new releases as well. But then there are things, um, King Kong or Kong and Godzilla and all that, that, yeah. that are kind of like that they're showing. So stuff that you may have seen at the moment as well as re-releases of Total Recall, um, Gladiator was showing there. Um, and it's it just like lots of kind of like the older films as well. So hats off to anyone that's actually released new releases. But I think they'll probably yeah. be what we have for the time being. Um, so don't be in any kind of rush to get back because it's not like the films are going to be released at a rate. I've got a feeling that the films that are basically playing in the cinemas for the next couple of weeks are going to be there for the next couple of weeks. So there's no rush. Let's take our time. Yeah, that's it. I, there, there, there's a bit of a, a splurge with new releases coming up because, as you say, Godzilla vs. Kong, they will be releasing uh, the new Conjuring film in a week or so. Uh, Those That Wish Me Dead, the Angelina Jolie action thriller that's that's now out um although it's been on premium rental as well as got uh, godzilla versus kong uh there are some cinemas that are also showing mortal kombat as well yeah judas and, and the black messiah that's, that's judas brilliant. and the black messiah is also getting screened as is in some of the smaller cinemas uh they're also showing minari and sound of metal and nomadland and nomadland so i mean there's there is plenty of choice out there and peter rabbit too Yes. If you have uh, if you have younglings, 
and uh, are of a mind to go and watch that. So there's there's plenty out there. Um, I, I certainly, I mean, there, there's none of the kind of the the real AAA releases just yet. I think that's going to be uh, the beginning of June with Quiet Place Part Two. I think, I think I was, that's going to be the first actually, huge I've been, one. I've been looking forward to Spiral for a while, and it was one of those films yeah. I, I was actually looking forward to going to see at the time. And it's very weird when I was watching it, and I was going, "Oh my god, yeah, I remember that from the trailer that I saw nearly two years ago now." And it's it's yeah. it's kind of really weird. And at the end, you kind of like see the things come up, and it's like twenty twenty, and you're like, "Oh wow, you know, this should have been and gone ages ago now. It would be a distant memory." Yeah. But it's it's there now, and it's kind of it, it's very weird because I was very aware of this when I came back from cinema last time. I watched Unhinged. That was my first film back after first lockdown, and I remember thinking, yeah. "Wow, look at this. This is a film that was made." before the world was turned upside down and it's kind of and it very much the case with this as well it's very odd to sort of look at these going i wonder what they were thinking at the time when this was going on obviously that maybe shows that you i wasn't paying too much attention to what was going on in the film or we'll review spiral in just a moment but yeah you, you're looking at it and you're thinking wow man it's like you know you, you're doing your acting doing your thing got no idea that you know this film won't see the light of day until post the you know one of the you know yeah. pandemic you know absolutely i mean just think of the, the films that actually kind of exist in a complete form that we've we've yet to see that should have been released last year so there is a full completed cut of ghostbusters afterlife somewhere uh, <laughs> because I, I remember reading something that uh, ivan reitman's seen it uh watched it with his son uh, jason who wrote and directed it and ivan was suitably emotionally impressed with it so uh, you know the fact that that exists uh you know top gun maverick should have been with us by now and that you know these films are are in a vault somewhere or on a hard drive somewhere in a completed form and they're, they're just waiting to be to be released into the world it's you know weird, even because i think i think something we, like june yeah i think we're gonna get this weird thing because it's something like like we've like sort of experienced in a sort of a quite a diluted way with spiral is mm. we this these types of films the films we've been waiting for and everything they come with such a weight of expectation to them it's a little bit like we got yeah. a teaser that with Tenet last year some of the negative reviews towards Tenet last year were very much like was this what we were waiting for was this supposed to be the big film that everyone was excited about and it was obviously a little bit unfair at the time but films like Ghostbusters yeah. and everything the way they're going to be measured and reviewed will be like no other films ever have and there's going to be that kind of, especially with A Quiet Place Part 2, for example, I think there's yeah. going to be that lots of people are going to be going along with this expectation and familiarity with clips and images and the subject matter and all that that they wouldn't ordinarily have with normal preparation yeah. leading up to a film. So it's going to be a really weird time. And I think we're going to have to kind of like maybe recalibrate the way we review and uh, and look at films for the time, for the foreseeable future at least, until we start getting post-lockdown stuff. Because that weight yeah. of expectation can only harm a film, I think. Yeah, I think I think there's... there's certainly an element of that i mean my expectations for quite place two probably should be moderated a bit just because i mean the first i absolutely love i think it's such a such an effective horror slash thriller that i'm not sure how they can do enough new stuff with the new one to to really you know really bring it up to that level and i really really hope they do and films like i, I sort of touched on dune that's you know that that exists somewhere and that's been you know been waiting on that for a long long time and i think it is you know what you said about tenets really really true that, that actually if that had been released in normal times that would have been one in a sea of choices at that time and maybe that scrutiny for it because nolan was very focused that this is going to be a cinema release 
um, and you know tried to hold the line as long as possible. And because it, you know it was a, a highly anticipated film, but one that maybe isn't as straightforward as some of the other summer blockbusters were. I think if that had been released at a time with lots of other things going on, the scrutiny probably wouldn't have been there in quite the same sort of powerful way that it they really zeroed in on it but i you know i i really enjoyed tenet so yeah. but not to you know. not not to kind of like undermine cinema in any way shape or form but it's the thing mm. is is like and the realization dawned on me when i was watching spiral this afternoon when i was just literally watching it and going do you know what these are this is this is just a film <laughs> it's like it, it's yeah. weird when you have to step back from that someone that loves cinema as much as i do and it was great to be in the cinema again i felt like the weight had mm. been lifted and i kind of like felt yeah. like you know all some anxieties and stuff like that just literally turning my phone off and being in the dark room for two hours with no interruptions just immersed in a way that i haven't been in the last six months was terrific yeah. and I, I was there and i was thinking to myself okay yeah this is just a film cinema is just films and it's wonderful and they can save the world and save your you know you know save your mind and your mental health and everything in many ways but also as yeah. well do remember these are just films <laughs> and uh yeah it was, well, that, it was an odd way for it. me to think that yeah i i, th- I think for me uh, and you're right that idea of of it you know having that positive impact on you know your soul basically but i think that's less going to be about the films but being more about the experience 100 percent. that's yeah, yeah. yeah and and that's the thing that i'm i'm going to take in the first time i i go in is not necessarily that i'm going to see something life-changing It'd be nice if i do hmm. but the fact that i am going to be in a screen for the first time since march 2020 with like you say the the, the big screen and the, the 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 sound system and just that disconnect from the world because god knows we need that disconnect from the the world at the moment and that escapism yeah i just yeah that's that's the thing that i've been holding on to for a year and uh, you know grabbing those little moments when i can when i've been going to the 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 drive-ins because it's a new experience and it's a different experience and it's it's similarly kind of all-encompassing but there is nothing like that I felt I've, moment when the lights go down. I found myself, yeah, yeah, so I, wait. I found myself like that. I found when the lights went down, I found it was like someone had put an oxygen mask over my, and it was like <gasps> I felt like I'd woken up and I was back in the room. You know what I mean? It, it was like not to yeah. be sort of too dramatic about it. And there were points in the film where I was thinking to myself, any moment now, someone's going to kick the door in and say, "Everybody out! Everybody out! You can't cinema can't come back today. Cinema can't come back today. Get out! Get out!" But luckily, we managed yeah. to get to the end of it. And it's almost like like when I saw Tenet last year, I was like, "Thank God, I've just watched something." So if we went into another lockdown now, then at least I've been to come up for air for a bit yeah no absolutely <laughs> not to be absolutely. too dramatic about thanks goodness me kevin wake no. up <laughs> <laughs> so kev come on then tell us a little bit about spiral give us give us a bit of a, a summary and tell us what you your thoughts of it let's crack on with some reviews well spiral from the book of saw it takes place in the saw universe a criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in spiral yeah so what is this criminal mastermind where does it take place well you know the saw films have been popular for a long period of time in my opinion i love the first saw film saw the second saw film then it kind of like 
weaves off a little bit in quality and then you have kind of hits and misses i've not seen all of the saw films and i thought oh no will i be at a disadvantage going into spiral no you're not as long as you've seen the first saw film and even that to be honest you could probably you know you could probably start from scratch having not seen any of them um you'll, you'll probably be all right this one puts chris rock as our kind of like main protagonist scowling his way through the film uh, in a way that i've not seen chris rock before and chris rock who you know you know usually wise cracked his way through lethal weapon 4 and can now actually be seen in fargo on tv i don't know if anyone's been watching the new series of fargo, yeah but he seems to be having a little bit of a renaissance a rock renaissance. i don't know because uh, those of you that might have seen <laughs> bad company that he did with anthony hopkins all those years ago have noticed that he's become a bit more as as he has a stand-up comedian a bit more of a kind of like a mature um kind of like comic and a bit more of a mature actor and performer now um and i think it was really interesting that he was involved in spiral and to be fair had it have just been a reboot with a cast of unknowns or at least the level of um carrie elwes and stuff like that that had been um uh, ever present right the way through the original saw films um i might not have been that excited about seeing it but i was very interested to see where this was going to go um you've also yeah. got samuel l jackson popping up in it as well it's kind of it, it's generally it's like okay well even though it's taking place in the Saw universe, it's its own film. Yeah, have you mm. got a copycat for, for the you know of, of the Jigsaw killings? Have you, there's all of this stuff that kind of goes in it, and obviously I'm not going to go too much into the plot because I don't want to give anything away. But why do people go to see Saw films or films that take place in the Saw universe? They go for the deaths, don't they? The ingenious deaths and all of the kind of like really clever ways of people having to make split second decisions to know whether or not to lose their head um you know or their head or their legs or something like that you know in a way of kind of like punishing them for some indiscretion that they've done in the past and it's all about that kind of like that justice isn't it that's the way that jigsaw used to work but what does spiral bring to the table well it brings a kind of like a um a, a, a corrupt dirty cop kind of feel yeah so someone is focusing mm -hmm. on the police department and dirty cops and you know they're bringing their own form of justice with all of their unique traps is it is it the jigsaw killer is it has he come back again somehow because we know watching the original saw films he kind of dies every other film and manages to come back in some way shape or form but that's obviously <laughs> as well due to kind of like you know twisted timelines as well so where does it take place in that that's for you to go and see should you want to are the killings um torture devices and puzzles and everything like that as ingenious as the original saw uh saw series probably not really i would say that the film opens very well and you go great here we go uh and then it turns into a more conventional thriller um that said mm many other reasons it, it, um, it, it's kind of a, a little bit not of a disappointment but it's business as usual and before you know it you're in a three star thriller that you're sort of interested in but you want to kind of know how things are going to pan out but then had they have kicked the door in and kicked us out of the cinema I probably would have been able to have waited another couple of months to find out um, I think Chris Rock is, is superb and as I said seeing him in a completely different way uh, Sam Jackson is Sam Jackson but they've cast the character as Sam Jackson in the film so he's you know the ideal guy to play it uh, and the support cast do their thing uh, and you keeps you guessing and then at the end you're kind of like oh is it going to be a twist oh there is a twist is it you know how, how satisfying is it well it depends how much you've invested in the film as well um, it is gruesome it's not for the faint-hearted the music is terrific the atmosphere especially in a dark cinema room when you're immersed is uh, it, it is what you would expect from films in the Saw universe um, and it feels claustrophobic and it kind of ticks all the boxes but I would probably say that having again not seen all of the Saw films it's probably better than than Saw 2, 
but nowhere near as good or imaginative as Saw 1, if you were to kind of like mm-hmm. try and score it like that. So I'd say it's definitely worth seeing, if only for Chris Rock's performance. Um, but there's enough to keep you guessing. It would be a great Saturday night in the cinema. And it felt weird watching it on a Monday morning when, you know, that this film was kind of like destined for a Saturday night. So I know it's performed yeah. quite well in America. Um, in relation mm-hmm. to it's performed, I think it. I think it won won the weekend, the opening weekend, uh, in relation to the other films that were coming out. But I think it has actually it's the lowest um, performance I think for a Saw film, as you would expect. And that's probably no reflection yeah. on the film. It's probably just you know on the fact that people still haven't you know they don't feel reassured about going back to cinema yet. But hats off to them for not waiting for this or putting it on a, a you know a, a streaming release at the same time over here. Um, and you know I I think that to be fair. I think I probably went in with the kind of like, you know, my weight of expectation for it was probably a case of, great, I've been looking forward to this for a while. And then, I say, halfway through, I kind of went, okay, it's just a film. It's a three-star thriller at that, but I'll enjoy the ride. And I did. And, uh, yeah, I certainly wasn't. Good. Yeah, I wasn't really let down. It just could have been better. So, Fantastic. There we go. So that's uh, that's Spiral, which is in cinemas. In cinemas, in cinemas. now. How's <laughs> about that, then? How's about that? Uh, oh, I will say this, though. Chris Rock, even though his character is mean and moody and he scales the whole film, he definitely yeah. improvised some some of the lines in it because i will say this is some of the lines in the script are absolutely superb he manages to get those one-liners in in a way that only chris rock can we're gonna move on to giant titans because i've managed to go and see something brand new on a big screen <laughs> so i managed to get to uh the the great british driving i know i've mentioned it a few times before but i'm a big fan of the work they do there and i i was very very lucky actually i won tickets uh to go and uh, uh to go and see a film of my choosing and i left it to my daughter's choice and she picked after seeing the trailer godzilla versus kong uh, which is directed by adam wingard and is a continuation of the, uh, the the Godzilla stroke Kong stroke Monarch monsterverse, if you like to call it that, um, and it's finally bringing together Godzilla and Kong from Kong Skull Island. So this is following on from the original uh, Gareth Edwards Godzilla and Godzilla King of Monsters, and as I say, Kong Skull Island. So the basic premise of it it's uh, as if you need to know too much about the premise of it uh, is at a time when monsters walk the earth humanity's fight for its future sets godzilla and kong on a collision course that will see the two most powerful forces of nature on the planet collide in a spectacular battle for the ages will they find out that both of their mum's names are martha before it's too late and if you've seen batman versus superman that is a brilliant joke <laughs> so um <laughs> so yeah so the the basic premise uh, uh, Godzilla's basically he's he's established himself in the last couple of films as being kind of a a de facto hero he's he's a defender of humanity and defender of the planet Uh, Kong on the other hand is has now grown from his uh, his size you know he's he's not in substantial size in uh, Kong Skyline but because it's been about 40 years hence he is a proper beastie now and he's living uh, out his life in a dome on Skull Island where he's being protected away from Godzilla because they they know as soon as they get wind of each other it's basically all going to kick off <laughs> but something is sending Godzilla a little bit uh, a little bit nuts and he uh, he starts uh, you know, turning up on land and wrecking basically anything to do with the 
the company Apex, who, if you've seen Godzilla King of Monsters, uh, they are the, uh, the the slightly evil, sinister organisation that was run by Charles Dance, now being run by uh, Damien Bashir, who was in, uh, so he was in The Hateful Eight, and he was in Alien Covenant, and... Uh, yeah, there's, there's a not too veiled thing that they've called themselves Apex, you know, the Apex Predators. This is the level of subtlety we're kind of working with with a film. Um, um, and is there something sinister going on under the surface? And it's, you know, it's fairly well cast. Uh, you've got Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Rebecca Hall, uh, Millie Bobby Brown returns from... Uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, as does Carl Chandler. You also get uh, Brian Tyree Henry in a sort of wisecracking uh, conspiracy theorist role. Uh, Julian Dennison, uh, Ricky from Hunt for the World People, also turns up again as a as a bit of comic relief. And you know they're they're just there to spout portentous dialogue and uh, talk about sort of energy sources and Hollow Earth. When what? we're really wanting is great big monster smackdowns and so yeah the 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 dialogue and the moments in between are literally just to to carry you from one big beastie slapping another big beastie about the place and you know what those those moments are, are quite fun and they they hold a fair bit of heft as with godzilla king of monsters which i will confess oh actually with godzilla as well um they're all visual feasts i enjoyed godzilla to a to a degree i thought uh you know it, it had issues uh you know it, uh, killed off one of the most interesting characters in kind of the first act uh, and i wasn't a massive fan of godzilla king of monsters but when kind of the visuals kicked in it was beautiful to look at and some you know really really quite spectacular special effects it carries on that kind of trend that you know the, the special effects particularly with the monsters are are very good and as i say there's quite a bit of sort of decent heft with the fights uh particularly uh there's a there's a couple of a couple of climactic smackdowns uh that that take place and yeah it's it's just you know i'm not going to sort of bang too long and hard on about this film that it's 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 exactly what you're expecting it to be it's Slightly, slightly daft, but reasonably likable, wisecracking dialogue. Slightly portentous, sciencey dialogue lacing together. Godzilla, who you know probably doesn't get as much time as on, on screen as Kong does, um, and and Kong, who Kong Skull Island is my favourite of the series so far. I just think it's 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 brilliant fun, and he he kind of feels like a a decent hero to root for. I quite liked Kong. I was very much coming down on the side of Kong wanting to to win this particular one, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it, it's exactly what it's again. It's a solid two and a half, three star bit of big special effects action spectacular. Don't go in expecting anything more than that, but it is showing at cinemas at the moment. So rather than paying you know, fifteen quid to watch it on your little piddly television at home, you have the opportunity now to go and watch it. In all its glory, on a big screen with the you know kick-ass sound system, and you know this is what again we're going back to the cinema for. You want you want something that's a little bit spectacular. So it's not it's not great, but it has its moments of fun. And you know if if you're looking for a little bit of escapism for less than two hours, 
you could kind of do a lot worse. I think it would have been my return film had had Spiral not have been there. I think uh, just just so obviously so we had uh, something else to review on the podcast. So I went to see Spiral, but I think mm-hmm. that the, the, that would have been my return film had I have had free reign of anything. I would have felt that because uh, you know it feels like a nice like cinema one. So I'm glad that you got to see it on the big screen. Definitely, definitely, and yeah, I mean even even sort of on a cast stereo, you crank it up. There's some there's some good bass with with the sound as well. I do have to say, you know, the, when I when I did see it, the screen that I watched it on and the the kind of the brightness mix wasn't the best, uh, and so I do feel like I missed parts of it. So there may be call to to go back and revisit it again just to just to see if my opinion of it lifts any because I think the the viewing experience did slightly mar my enjoyment of it. Uh, and I, I, you know, it's just one of those things. It was a, it was a reasonably bright day, and I, I, I think that the brightness mix that they had on the screen wasn't the best. But, um, but yeah, it, it, it was, it was fine, and uh, yeah, worth, worth checking out. If you, particularly if you've got your, uh, your, your generic cinema monthly pass. So, <laughs> <laughs> so moving away from the big screen. We're going back to small screen and recent streaming releases, and we're going for an Amazon Prime exclusive. Uh, it's a Tom Clancy's Without Remorse, so directed by uh, Stefano Salima, who directed the sequel to Sicario, uh, and also uh, uh, starring the rather brilliant Michael B. Jordan, uh, Jamie Bell, and uh, Jodie Turner-Smith, who turned up in Queen and Slim last year. She was Queen. And, uh, and yes, so, yeah, that's Queen. And Guy Pearce as well. And so, yeah, it, uh, to give you the story, uh, an elite Navy SEAL uncovers an international conspiracy while seeking justice for the murder of his pregnant wife. Oh. So, uh, yes. Uh, so, gents, what did you what did you think of Without Remorse? Craig, you've uh, you've not weighed in as yet. This is one you've seen. How did you find Without no. Remorse? Uh, um, well, if I was to be completely honest, I really didn't like it much at all. Okay. It was <laughs> there, there, it had moments that I really enjoyed. Um, there was a couple of set pieces in it. That, and, and when I was younger, when I was sort of like in my 13, 14, 15, I remembered a film for a set piece, an action film. Uh, and from this, for, for me, the, the moment, there's a moment about halfway through the film with the, the aeroplane. I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the opening scene as well, where, where the, they, they're opening assault. I don't think I'm giving away too much no. there. Where they, they emerge from the water, I thought was, was fantastic. Yeah. But the the script for it seemed weak and the writer taylor sheridan who had done hell or high water and wind river yeah which are are two amazing films that i i love going back to yeah and sicario as well yeah absolutely you know films that i would keep going back to and will happily keep going back to he wrote this film where i would not happily go back to it i i wouldn't be happy going back to watch this again or recommending this i I just found it a bit paint by numbers, to be honest. The yeah. everybody appeared to be dialing it up, you know, to play the bad guy, or I'm supposed to be the bad guy. Um, I'm going to be the curveball. Michael P. Jordan was was great, yeah, but he, his heart didn't seem in it. <laughs> he's a, and he's a great presence. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He's he's got a real, real sort of great physical presence about himself. I think, uh, you know, with the right material, he's he's so good. Um, sorry, yeah, carry on. With, no, no, with that, 
you're absolutely right. But the the scenes with his wife were were too fleeting for me to to really care about what happens to her. And or not that I did, but I didn't invest in you know the the revenge aspect of it. So there's there's lots and lots of it where I was like, you know. 15 minutes has gone by I've been a, a passive viewer of this and I haven't been drawn into what has been going on here you know but like I said the the, the scene with the plane I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed I really really enjoyed yeah. that so um, yeah but what did you guys make of it well I just want to kind of pick up on what you said about the writing so I, I sort of agree that I, I mean I, I found it to be the right sort of film for my mood at the time so I just needed some Saturday night action wallpaper. I wasn't looking to get invested in it and I just, I just it was a film that I just let happen and it, and it was it was okay. Do you think that the part of the problem with the with the writing is maybe down to the fact that rather than Taylor Sheridan, you know, writing this from from kind of the top of his head that it's based on the Tom Clancy novel. It obviously feels like a bit of a franchise starter that they're they're trying to set up a, a basically a new Jack Ryan with uh, with Michael B. Jordan in the lead role as the oh what's he called um, John John Kelly. John Kelly so yeah. so yeah John Clark who's the name of the the character from the from the novels but yeah that maybe I, I think that might have something that you know the source materials probably a little outdated now um, and I, I agree that some, it was very paint by numbers that the you know the justifications for everything that had gone on were quite were quite weak um quite sort of nothing really had to kind of the 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 gravity or the impact that something like this should have that you know that yeah the the twist was completely unsurprising and possibly possibly signposted by the casting Um, i think so yeah i think so when as soon as i saw the name i'm like okay yeah, yeah, maybe that's yeah. that's. We know where this, we know where this is yeah. going. There were moments, like you said, with the with the plane. You know, the, the literal wet work at the beginning was was a good sequence, and that kind of drew me in. But then I just found, particularly towards the end of the film, that it was just happening, and there was no real kind of engagement with it. And that you know they established kind of some of the allegiances a little bit too easily, considering what had gone before. So. Uh, for me, bang average, but um, I, I wasn't offended by it. It passed the time. Um, I, I won't rush back to to see it again. Do you know what? Um, I, th- I, 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 I think yeah. I think it was yeah exactly that. I think everything you guys have said is is exactly true. Bang average, but I think I enjoyed it more than you guys did. And I think the thing was, I think my expectations were lower. Hmm. I kind of felt, but I I don't know what it is about Tom Clancy stuff. But there's that. I think it might be with like when I was a, when I was a kid, I used to go. I watched like Patriot games, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is good. But it's not Harrison Ford in his most action-packed roles because I love Indiana Jones. That's obviously when I was a lot younger. Um, and then I remember going to see Clear and Present Danger with my friends, and we went along and watched it. And I was like, yeah, this is good. It kind of goes through the motions and everything like that. And then whenever there's been, and some of all fears as well. And although whenever there's a Tom Clancy thing, I think to myself, it will be a kind of three-star, mid-level, enjoyable political, you know, espionage thriller. That's you know that kind of stuff. And I think with Without yeah. Remorse, I I was more excited about it before. And I I wish it wasn't called Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Because when people say Tom Clancy, it's like saying, we're going to put a disclaimer in the title, basically saying, if you love a bit of Tom Clancy, 
you'll like this. If not, you'll probably find it a bit three-star, you know. Now, I started watching this oddly at 7.30 in the morning with a cup of coffee and and polished up two hours. So it was done. I was done by just after nine. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah, I, I can go on with my day. I'm glad I've seen it, ticked it off the list. And I think I was, the reason I wanted to watch it, obviously to discuss it on the podcast with you guys, but I just wanted, I like Michael B. Jordan. I think he's a great presence. And, you know, like you guys, I think he's the best thing about the film. I do like Jamie Bell. Guy Pearce has got to stop playing yeah. Guy Pearce in these kind of roles. Whenever I was watching him, the whole film thinking, man, you're the, you know, you're the memento, man. What, 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 what are you, why, why, why do you keep popping up as the guy in the suit that you um and are about, you know? Jamie Bell, at least he's kind of like some of his roles have got a bit more variety to it but Guy Pearce is woefully underused in Hollywood in general and it's because he's in films like this kind yeah. of thing and I was watching it and I was thinking to myself yeah this is quite enjoyable but I will say this right had I have seen Without Remorse when I was 15 years old instead of Clear and Present Danger I probably would have enjoyed myself a little bit more because what what it didn't have or what it had by, by focusing not on someone that's a reluctant hero a little bit like your uh, Jack Ryan's um, it was, it, you know, the, Michael B. Jordan's character is it was in the thick of it because that's what he did, yeah. And I found that there was a lot more action in it. That whenever I started to get a little bit bored, an action sequence came along, and I was like, oh, okay, cool, yeah, I'm back in the game now, back in the game. And then I'd start to lose interest again, and then another action sequence would come about, you know. And then that sequence, yeah, the, the plane sequence is great. The sequence in the prison's brilliant as well. When you see that kind of thing, when you see his you know Absolutely, whenever yes. I'll, I'll level with you whenever yeah. michael b shorten's got his shirt off i'm happy you know what i mean he was kind of like <laughs> he was going for it and i was like yeah this is this is good and i i did like that it didn't outstay its welcome because it clocks in under two hours which is kind of like another thing with tom clancy stuff you kind of go oh and I, admittedly i've not seen the jack ryan tv show which i would like to see but again i think it's because of the casting I think I used to be a little bit kind of... Yeah. I wasn't enthused about Ben Affleck taking over from Harrison Ford. But when I actually look back at it, I think I used to tell people that I used to like the Jack Ryan thrillers because I wanted to. I wanted people to think that I liked yeah. the Jack Ryan thrillers when, in fact, I probably won't go back and revisit them anytime soon. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. So I think I think Without yeah. Remorse was better than I expected it to be because I expected it to just be dull. But the thing that kind of bothered me the most about the film, and it probably shows how much engagement I had with it, was during one of the earlier parts of the film, not to give anything away, where there's an assault on his house, right? He's downstairs yeah. in his front room listening to music on his on his on his laptop. Yeah, on his Bluetooth, right? And the the villains before they're breaking in they cut the power to his house and his laptop goes off and all i could think of throughout that entire action sequence was why didn't the battery on the laptop kick in why did he notice that there was an assault on his house because the battery on his laptop someone that's in an elite squad <laughs> would have probably quite yeah. up-to-date tech in their house right and they'd at least yeah. I, my battery on my laptop <laughs> lasted longer than his laptop battery did so I couldn't get over that. And by the, by the point that had happened, we were already kind of like two thirds into the film. And I was like, cool, okay, no. well, we know that this guy doesn't have a lasting battery on his laptop. So what else is he going to like trip up on? <laughs> yeah. so that's why. I think the, the, the moment for me that I, I kind of realized that maybe I shouldn't be taking it 100% seriously is when uh, there was a news report uh, going on. So in a briefing room, and one of the news reporters was purred happily from <laughs> Parks and Recreation. <laughs> so, yeah, was that as well. Plus, also as well, one of the villains in it is the guy from Fleabag. 
and I was like, it, it was it was there was just I was just thinking about so many things about the production and the writing and everything like that. I wasn't really focusing on the film, and any time that my mind would go like that, they'd pull me back with an action sequence that, to be fair, were quite well executed. So I, I, you know, I think it's yeah. kind of it's probably better. In my opinion, it was better than my average Tom Clancy. But then, if you're not a Tom Clancy fan, it's not going to win you over. No, I think there's a the, just go back to the action sequences really quickly, just as kind of a final point. There's one that takes place at an airport involving a car on fire, and I saw a sort of mini featurette on the making of that moment, and uh, the fact that that was all done in camera and real fire. Real Michael B. Jordan really getting into that oh, car. Wow. Okay, yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, that's yeah. I mean, that's uh, you know, there are moments in it that kind of go above and beyond your your standard bog standard conspiracy yeah. thriller, and there are moments like that that you know that are, that are really well executed. But uh, and I, I guess yeah, uh, I, I guess that that sort of is what held the appeal for me is that that these moments all the way through and quite a sort of a rote conspiracy thriller that that you know it was punctuated by some really really smart action moments yeah. so it, it does the, it does the tom clancy thing good you know well enough but not going to win anyone else mm. so if you're interested in a bit of uh, tom clancy conspiracy thriller uh, without remorse is on amazon prime now and so we come to the last of our reviews for this particular episode, and we're moving over to Netflix for one of the recent streaming releases. Uh, it's the French thriller Oxygen, directed by Alexandre Arger. Uh, so the basic story is, uh, no escape, no memory, 90 minutes to live. Ooh. A woman wakes in a cryogenic chamber with no re- recollection of how she got there and must find a way out before running out of air. So this is one that both me and Craig have seen. So I'm going to jump in first, if that's all right with you, Craig. Of course, you go for it. Fantastic. So Oxygen, I, I, I saw the trailers pop up a little while ago and thought that looks like a, a an interesting premise. I mean, it's something that, ticking clock, race against time, losing oxygen, it's something that uh, we've seen previously in the the brilliant but very, very bleak buried uh, with Ryan Reynolds uh, from a few years ago. It feels like a, a kind of a, a high-tech, almost sci-fi uh, updating of the, the kind of the buried story uh, the idea of somebody uh, that is trapped with kind of minimal communications with the outside world uh, limited space uh, but where she's trapped in this uh, in this kind of cryogenic chamber is 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 a bit of a box of tricks that could could basically kill her before um, <laughs> before the air runs out so it's kind of a, it's it's a decent thriller um, I, now I'm aware because it's a Netflix one uh, they offer both English dubbing and uh, subtitled versions. So, Craig, I believe you watched the dubbed version. Yes, I did. I wasn't really given a choice um, because of ah, okay. because of the way the the app that I was watching it through didn't give me a choice. So, right, okay. And I, yeah, I, I opted for the French subtitled option as soon as I realised that it was uh, it was the dubbed uh, the dubbed version. I, I prefer I prefer subtitled with the the original. Kind of actor's performance in there, um, and you know what? It's pretty good. I think, particularly the the setup and the, that kind of air of mystery and that that kind of piecing together a puzzle from within there, because essentially this this 
cryogenic pod that she's in has uh, technology to be able to kind of search the internet, make phone calls, find information out. It's useful for her to basically try and piece together her life because essentially Liz, played by Melanie Laurent, is uh, she wakes up basically uh, with amnesia, not remembering who she is, how she got there and why she only has 33% oxygen left and not long before it runs out. And it's really interesting because particularly in that first bit where she's she's kind of hyperventilating and, and, and quite sort of violent with a movement. Uh, the, the computer, who's played by uh, Matthew Almarak, who's in uh, Quantum of Solace, and he was also in uh, The Sound of Metal as well. His, his lovely sort of deep French computer voice uh, does tell her that with her current consumption, she would actually only have 40 minutes to live. Uh, and so that that sort of adds a layer of tension that, that actually... that that increased oxygen consumption is actually making her task that little bit harder. Um, and I think the way I found it particularly is it got to a point in the film where the mystery was good. You you think it's going in a certain direction because it, it does jump to flashback and it does, uh, it, you know, she does have uh, hallucinations and takes her back to, to moments outside of the pod, which sort of, help you link think where you're linking the story up to and and it does drop little breadcrumbs through but what i found with the with kind of that that there's that midpoint revelation and the revelation for me while the setup's kind of effective and intriguing the the two reveals they slightly deaden the impact that it's less of a oh my god that's a big twist to kind of all right okay yeah i can okay i can i can see that it's it's a nice little twist but I think the way the way the twist worked, because it felt more like it was more of a sort of a, a conspiracy thing, the twist almost took a little bit of the, the tension out of it, I found, that that the race against time became less I don't know, it just it just felt less important with now that the mystery had been had been solved. However, I the the big thing for me is Melanie Ron's performance. I thought she was just brilliant it's a really really challenging role essentially spending a whole film in a really kind of limited space with you know the camera right right there in her face uh so literally you can't miss a thing that she does uh and you know she was she was kind of expressive and the the, the genuine fear and the genuine frustration with the situation i thought i if nothing else for her it's absolutely worth watching because she was she was absolutely brilliant. How did you find it, Craig? The the, the first forty five minutes, I was completely gripped and I was I was all in. I was this is a five star kick off to a film. I was I, mm. I completely agree. Her performance, Melanie's performance, was sensational. Um, yeah, and her physicality. With with very limited movement, obviously being in mm. in that chamber, was was fantastic. Um, and the the part, parts when she would move from side to side and so on were were wonderful. Yeah. Really, really nicely like used, and it used only sparingly. Mm. I agree that there there is a point where I wouldn't necessarily have put it down to to any sort of revelation, but there is a point where. You, you're given enough. You're you're dropped a few hints, and you were like, "Okay, I think I know where this is going," and you yeah. know you are. I mean, 
the smugness in me was kind of massaging, going, "Yes, Craig, well done. You've you've done you've you've worked out part of the story before they've they've given it away, and that did yeah. soften the last sort of twenty to twenty five minutes of the mm. of the film. But I was, mm. I, I I can see the buried part, but I I I found lots of source code in it as well. Um, you know that yeah. the things that I loved about source code um, in this, and um, I. And the, the menacingness of Milo as well, which was was wonderful. Uh, and I definitely will go yeah. back and watch this, and I I will watch this with subtitles as well to see if that sort of yeah. how much is that is ramped up by the dubbing and so on. Um, but the look of the 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 pod itself, I thought was yeah. was wonderful. And that that the there's an arm that comes out, a robotic arm that comes out had a wonderfully yeah. menacing sort of uh, like physicality to it, which I, I really, really liked. Yeah. So I, by the end of the film, I felt a little bit empty, but then that's part of the yeah. way that the story goes. Um, yeah. And it felt a perfect accompaniment to, you know, just coming out of, of, of where we're at at the minute, you know, in, <laughs> in the world, yeah. it was like, okay, it's, you know, it, it felt like a, a perfect bedfellow to to the last year that that the majority of us have had you know yeah um and and knowing that it was filmed between the two lockdowns and so on it was i thoroughly enjoyed it i can't wait to watch it again and now yeah. you know watching it with the subtitles um and i'll go and watch it on a different uh platform uh different uh device um so yeah it's uh, i thoroughly enjoyed it wouldn't give it five stars i wouldn't yeah. go that far because of the last 20 minutes but i, I yeah. was really really taken with it yeah i i sort of went went down the middle with with a, a kind of three stars with it i think probably in hindsight maybe a little bit harsh just because like you say that first that first bit with the with kind of piecing the puzzle together and the, the performance and the the mystery of it was brilliant i mean it's so well done it was really intriguing i just i just found when when those the the story developments were dropped that it just so went okay yeah all right fair enough fair enough and i think i think i was geared up for something more of a race against time conspiracy theory big revelations it was good but i i didn't i didn't love it so but in in that last 20 minutes you do have the the milo character the computer doing that uh, the 60 second countdown which was incredibly tense that was yeah. I mean that that final sequence, and there there were some really really great set pieces as well. Uh, you know, set pieces in a tiny little box. You know, just involving a you know, kind of an intravenous drip. Yeah. And there's there's you know a couple of moments with that with with either with either needles or drips that in that enclosed space and kind of the the potentially fatal result of those moments did you know that it was really effective. So yeah, I mean it's it's definitely definitely worth checking out. I, I as I say, I quite enjoyed the uh, the French subtitles. I thought um, the performances uh, were were great. Uh, so yeah, if uh, if you've got Netflix and you want a nice tense bit of uh, sci-fi thriller, Oxygen is well worth a bit of your time. So in a little bit of little bit of providence, uh, we came up with the idea for this next section uh, a little while ago, um, and it was kind of prompted by a completely different film um and we'll go into that in a little bit more detail at the moment but it sort of links nicely into oxygen because 
one of the things that we've we'd sort of talked about in the past uh, off mic was films that we absolutely love but you know we'll, we'll never kind of want to or have the urge to see again in a hurry i know craig you know he said that last week or the last episode when we talked about nomadland that he, he thought it was you know a wonderful film but it's not something that he will go out of his way to watch um, and it just really set me thinking on you know for different reasons why people might not want to revisit certain films and i think that's uh, you know we, we alluded to it quite early on in the oxygen review is is buried um i think it's a um i mean it's a really really effective tense claustrophobic thriller really kind of dour downbeat thing that i was absolutely gripped by but given that first of all i am i am quite claustrophobic it was a bit of a it was a bit of a challenge for me to kind of uh, to to kind of sit through because sometimes i mean just that there's that moment in aliens for example where bishop is crawling down the tube and that gives me palpitations just because of how restricted he is so having a whole film with somebody in this tiny restricted space um it did it did kind of play on my fears a little bit so while i absolutely love it it, for, for those reasons it's probably not something i'm gonna rush back in a hurry to watch i own it and I, I think with the three films that I'm going to be talking about in this section, I own all three, so I have the opportunity there to watch them. I just, I, <laughs> I just don't think I, I'm going to, I'm going to rush. But uh, we we talked about this uh, sort of on a call earlier earlier this week, and Kev, you made a really good point. That's actually uh, you know about buried. Mm-hmm. Um, about the time that you would watch it again yeah i think it's uh, i think the thing is especially where if we if we if we start this on kind of like high concept thrillers essentially if you go and watch a high yeah. concept thriller or high concept anything to be honest something like speed you know got to keep the bus above 50 miles an hour buried it takes place underground uh gravity it's like a roller coaster ride in space as she's trying to get back to earth all of those kind of things generally if you have a high concept thriller or something like that that's more of an experience than it is like you know like something like the godfather where you sit back and you go yes i'm going to admire this and this is really good look at that acting and everything but you have something that's like this is going to get your heart going up it's going to make you feel claustrophobic or it's going to make your heart race all of those kind of films it's like if it doesn't pay off or it might only pay off once so i can imagine so to to go back with buried it's that kind of thing but what i want to do is if i want to watch that again and i do want to watch it again um i've not seen it since i saw it but you're right like yourself i own it um what i want to do is i want to watch it with someone so i can watch it with them and see how they react to it it's the same with gravity i think i saw gravity in its opening weekend i saw it with you guys um craig and scott we went to see it which is brilliant and then i saw it two days later and i remember thinking i was as excited about watching it with the person i was watching it with as i was about seeing the film again and i think that's yeah. kind of what it is isn't it it's that sort of thing where i doubt i'd put myself through buried again but i'd love to see someone else put themselves through it and react and talk about it more importantly and i think that's what it is as well isn't it is if you go and watch a film there are some films you can watch digest and go about your business and there are some films that you come out and you just want to discuss you just want to talk about it yeah. don't you also as well you sometimes find yourself in, especially in like pub conversations talking about films that you probably didn't really give the time of day or feel didn't give them the attention they deserved at the time someone will talk to you about it and you're like wow okay you know what maybe i do need to go back and revisit that i won't go and see buried again but then talking to somebody about it it's actually quite exciting it was actually quite a really good idea it wasn't just high concept because again when it yeah. comes to high concept stuff sometimes the concept i'm thinking of a film with um amanda seafried and justin timberlake some years ago i think it was called in time Oh, in time yeah in time yeah that was a high concept thriller 
but it didn't deliver. Mm. And I think that's the thing sometimes. Sometimes they're so excited about the premise, they don't actually deliver the goods as well, you know? So that's why some yeah. high-concept thrillers, if we're talking about that kind of element as well, uh, you go along and you think, this is a great way to be experienced in a cinema, but I don't know how Buried will work on, uh, you know, on a DVD or on a Blu-ray, that kind of thing. So Buried is something I do yeah. want to go back and watch, not because I want to put myself through it again, but I'd love to watch someone else put themselves through it, if that makes sense. Definitely, definitely. And that's that's kind of the joy of, of, of film, because um, before we kind of hang, hand over to Craig for you know, some of his thoughts, Kev actually did this to me, I think, um, because my the, the film that kind of prompted me to kind of think about this, this segment, and films that I love that I'm probably not going to be in a hurry to watch again, um, it's one that Kev took me to go and see. And now you'd seen Nocturnal Animals before <laughs> yes. you took me to go and see it, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. Now, Nocturnal Animals, uh, Tom Ford directed, uh, again, a thriller uh, starring Jake Gyllenhaal and Amy Adams and Aaron Taylor-Johnson and Michael Shannon. Hell of a cast. Was, I thought, absolutely brilliant. Really, really, really great film. Um, the reason, I think, more than anything, is there is a a set piece in the middle. And I'm going to go as spoiler light as possible, but essentially it involves uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's family uh, basically being held up on the road by Aaron Taylor-Johnson's absolutely foul, fearsome, horrible... <laughs> Git of a human, uh, and his and his two his two friends, and the whole sequence is so uncomfortable, and it's so tense, and is it's it is literally like a living sort of waking nightmare. Is that that you're watching this and you're putting yourself in that situation, and you cannot, you literally cannot see a way out of that situation at all you can't see how anything they could have done could have worked out any different to how the scene progresses and how it pays off and it's just uh, i mean it's a it's a massive gut punch and you know for that reason if i was to watch it again i would really need to kind of sit down and and kind of be in that in that frame of mind and that mindset because i mean the film itself i mean goes you know follows that through i, I, I you kind of wish there was a, a bit more of a visceral payoff to it i think that that's that's certainly how i found it at the time but certainly because it's it's essentially two stories playing alongside each other uh, amy adams reading her ex's story um and the the, the ex ex played by jake gyllenhaal and the father in the in the story is also played by Jake Gyllenhaal, so he's basically pulling a double shift. That the, the the story world, the, the the real world, actually feels more sort of superficial than the the story world, which feels really real and dangerous and grimy and lived in. Um, and it's that part of the film that's really, really kind of magnetic. But again, it's just it's it's so downbeat uh, that you really have to be. You know, as Kev said before, now it's a great phrase to use. It's appointment cinema, and I don't, I don't see there being a point where I am going to really want to make an appointment to kind of sit down and put myself through that again. But I might just do it, you know, if I wanted to watch it with somebody that I think might appreciate it and and see their reaction to it. The 
it's odd that you say nocturnal animals and we we hadn't discussed the movies that we we'd picked um but the film yeah. that, that i'm going to kick off with gives me exactly the same feeling as nocturnal animals i i love nocturnal animals i i don't own it but mm. that that scene that you're talking about stands out and Jake Gyllenhaal is one of my favourite actors, and I watching him, you know, in almost anything is, is captivating and so on. But I don't think I can go back to Nocturnal Animals, you know, because I, I don't think I can put myself through that feeling again, you know, yeah. because it it works so well. And the the, the first film that I I had on my list was Kill List. Now I don't know Scott if yeah, you've yeah. seen that this. I still haven't seen it, and it, and the reason I've not seen this is largely down to the reaction of you guys. That it's one film that I am, I really want to see, and I just can't put myself in the mindset to kind of sit myself down. I yeah, I I I'm quite a, uh, I'm quite a sort of mood driven movie watcher. I think if I'm going to a cinema, that that feels like kind of appointment, and I will make myself go and see it. <laughs> If I am, if I have the choice at home, I tend to kind of shy away from those more difficult choices, which is really strange. But um, but yeah, so Kill List is one that you know I, I, I like Ben Wheatley's work, and I really want to see it, but I just need to kind of I, I think Ben kind of steal myself ready. Ben Wheatley has <laughs> even said, I think, that he would never make a film like Kill List now. That was a kind of a young man's yeah. movie, and I think that this is something that we've kind of addressed as well. Is like Craig was saying, with the kind of you wouldn't go back and watch it now. And I think films like a couple of films that were on my list would be like Requiem for a Dream or Gaspar Noé's Irreversible. They were films that yeah. I own Irreversible. I don't own Requiem for a Dream, but it's that kind of thing where I, I bought them and I intended to watch them again. I have seen them again. I think I watched them like the first time I saw them, or and then I watched them once. I bought them once. Um, mm. In the case of Irreversible, and it's that thing where. I've seen it, but I never want to put myself through that again. I think Irreversible, it's maybe with Requiem for a Dream as well, is something that I wouldn't want to watch with somebody to see how they react. I think with Buried, it's something that's exciting and fun almost because it's that yeah. coaster ride, but something with Irreversible, and probably to a lesser extent Nocturnal Animals, is something that I wouldn't watch with somebody because I don't want to be that. I, I like the conversations it might provoke, but I don't think I'd want to be there with yeah. them. Just a, a little thing about Kill List as well, Cray. Um, just when I saw Kill List, I saw Kill List for the first time um, during a preview, it was a preview screening, and it was a really odd screening because it was no no one knew everyone knew it was a new Ben Wheatley, but nobody knew about the content of it or anything like that, and that's that's part of the surprise of it. I think I think Kill List is as well as being absolutely you know horrific and terrifying in many ways it's also hilariously funny because of the chemistry that they uh, the two characters like Neil Maskell and, and Mike Smiley have got works really well and I went to see it and I think I might have told you guys this but I'll just put it for the podcast is I, I went to see it um, I think it was at the Prince Charles Cinema it was a preview and it was the film followed with an introduction from Ben Wheatley Neil Maskell and uh, Mike Smiley and then a Q&A after. And what they did was they came out, they introduced the film, or Ben Wheatley introduced the film and said, hey guys, we'll be back at the end to do a Q&A about it. And then they left the cinema and we watched uh, 90 minutes, two hours of Kill List. And what they must have done is they went obviously to the pub <laughs> and then they'd obviously spent those 90 minutes, two hours sitting around talking, having a laugh with the chemistry that they clearly had together. And then at the end of the film, and if you remember Kill List, you remember there's no end credit music. It just goes silent and the credits roll. 
right? They walked in <laughs> during the credit rolling in silence after we'd just watched the climatic sequence, which obviously if anyone's seen Kill This knows <laughs> that it stays with you. And it was literally like, we're all sitting there in silence, open-mouthed, in shock, and they come in going, <laughs> let's do a Q&A. <laughs> and then we spent the Q&A with Ben Whitley, Mike Smiley and Neil Maskell sitting there, or us all in shock, and them all quite jovial and obviously maybe a little bit tipsy as well. And it was the weirdest Q&A I think I've ever been to, but was probably, in an odd way, I might have had some kind of like release that a lot of people... It's a bit like um, the Little Shop of Horrors, you know, Little Shop of Horrors having its original Broadway ending um, initially didn't mm. work with test audiences. And people were like, well, why didn't that work? And they actually released the theatrical cut with a different ending to the, to the, to the show. Why did they do that? Well, it's because at the end of the show little shop of horrors you get the uh, you get the cast come out and take a bow and everyone gets their applause and it's like oh great oh that's wonderful you know what a happy you know, it's actually a happy ending because they're actors and i can see that you don't get that with film and i think what i got is i got a kind of like a release because they came in laughing and joking about the production and what a great time that they had working together and i think had i just watched the film i think i probably would have gone to bed sort of shaking pulled the covers <laughs> over my head that night got like that. but i think in a weird way even though kill List is probably one of the most affecting films i've ever seen i think i'm fortunate enough to have have a release that a lot of people yourself included craig maybe never had yeah it's the kill list is and, and one thing that keeps working with kill list it, it it stays with me um i've been writing lists on instagram of like my favorite movies and so on and somebody said in my horror movies you didn't put kill list because i was just writing a list of of ex- movies that just affected me um and kill list was definitely at the top of that and one thing that yeah. makes Kill List keep working in my head is that Neil Maskell is an. It, it turns up in mostly sitcoms, things that I've seen, um, and is 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 a brilliant comic actor. So seeing him in that after Kill List almost works to the advantage of the film. It's like it it, it kind of messes my head. It's like two worlds that shouldn't be, um, shouldn't work together. Um, so yeah, and it's and the irreversible was also on my list as well. I've I have seen that twice, kind of by accident. Um, I watched it um, after Kevin and I had spoken about it. Uh, I went off to see it, uh, and I then bought it, and I went to a, an extreme cinema marathon, which was a twenty-four hour uh, movie marathon of extreme cinema, um, and. <laughs> I was I, I got four films in to be honest so you know that's around about eight hours of extreme cinema which is enough for anybody um, and oh Irreversible God. was the one that made me think you know what it's probably time to go home Craig um, you, you've, you've had enough so yeah just to give you an idea of what I'd seen leading up to that I'd seen Salo I had seen Tetsuo I'd seen A Clockwork Orange and then Irreversible um, and I just could not go any further with that. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. That, that those were my list. But also, uh, Buried, I, I want to go back and watch it again. Uh, in fact, I only saw it a little bit late to the party after we'd all seen Gravity. And you'd said about that kind of claustrophobia that Buried gave you. Um, so I do want to go back and watch it again but I'll have to pick the right time. It'll have to be appointment cinema, you know, when I'm in the right frame of mind um, and I, I, I am, I, you know, not feeling so claustrophobic as perhaps coronavirus I, 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 has made us all feel. 
yeah i would say yeah. i would say buried is a lot more fun than because i know we're talking about it in a similar kind of like you know categories and putting it with like clockwork orange and irreversible yeah. and Requiem for a dream and all that kind of stuff buried is fun it's designed to be yeah. fun it is a, it's a roller coaster ride where you come out and you go that was great and depending on what you think of the ending i think for the most part you're enjoying it it's exhilarating and fun whereas i think irre- is. irreversible is more of an endurance test to the point where yeah. I, w- I don't think i would recommend it to anyone now especially this day and age and the way things have gone on i think the 25 year old me thinking he was cool and going yeah man i like this kind of like french new Year, all that kind of thing. I, I, I think now I, I i would ne- i will never watch irreversible again and i think that i doubt i will recommend it i'll only speak about it with people who pro- and i think i've i've got a bit of the distance i probably haven't seen it in 15 years and i think i've got enough distance from it now that i can look back on it as something i'll never see again without it you know affecting me in that sequence and everyone went on to do great things and it was a very very well made film but bloody hell it's hard hard going and i don't think i'd want to yeah. put anyone yeah. through that i i recommended it to one person um and she just texted me after she'd watched the film she went what have you done to me <laughs> so and we we're no longer in contact uh her and i so uh, <laughs> but i do still have I, I got the dvd back so that was the main thing <laughs> that's uh, yeah that's the main thing uh, for you for you probably never to watch again of course so and I would also, say, to, to, to be honest, I would even say people listening to this podcast, if you've never heard of Irreversible and you would look it up, I would be very careful that even looking up at the content of it could actually be, I, I would put a trigger warning on that. Yeah, big, big trigger warnings on Irreversible if you if you don't know it. Yeah, it's not it's not a film because, uh, again, because of the reputation, it, there was never an opportunity to kind of watch it when it first came out for me. Um, and it's something that I've, I've kind of heard and it's it sort of, permeated my consciousness in that time and it's not something that as as much as the reputation of the movie in terms of its quality is apparently good the the content just yeah i think there would there would be a lot of triggers there i think it's, it's sort of um, similar films like cause at the time Bayes moir came out as well and i think obviously a serbian film which has got a hell of a classification history um that these are yeah. all kind of like horrific films that i think people will more endure than enjoy and you probably want to give a wide berth um in general yeah. really to be honest that's it that's it i think i think you know we're, we're quite light-hearted with the way that we we approach these things so it's mostly you know for, for me it's around sort of fear and tension and that that kind of nightmare thing than than actual films that i endure rather than enjoy i think that the last of the last of my picks are mine again this is one that i've sort of added in the last in the last couple of weeks it's something that again i own and i absolutely love it as a film i adore it i think i think the way it works is is so is so perfect um it's just it's eternal sunshine of the spotless mind now there is a little bit of a sort of emotional backstory with this that uh the you know it's it's a hard film to, to kind of bring yourself to to want to watch because of uh because of how bittersweet it is a little bit confessional uh, for me now is that um yeah, in the last six months, I've been uh, so I, I went through a breakup, and uh, particularly in the last sort of three four months, the, the the breakup has kind of hit me quite hard. And then in the last couple of weeks, um, it, it sort of got to a point where um, I have to I have to let that go. And it's weird because at the same time that there are elements of that of the film that you almost feel like when you're at your lowest and you're at your most 
pained that you almost want yourself you you always want for yourself to just forget it so you could move on and you can move forward and you get that you get where the Jim Carrey character comes from at your lowest that you just want it to stop I don't want to feel like this anymore and that's um and that that's you know when you're going through that you know I've I've been through breakups before and and they were very very difficult they were very hard and as a result I haven't revisited the film and now at the moment the idea of and particularly the way modern relationships are is you almost undergo a little bit of that that erasure process in your real life as you're going through it so um you know rather than you, your memory being cleared of uh, of memories of this this person you know you, you spend time going through your photos and your videos and your social media and, and where that's been together and and you you work backwards from this point of pain where where you start the most recent pictures and and the thing and 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 where the distance is and as you go further and further back you make that realization that actually you know there there was something there was something beautiful and it is worth hanging on to but i think you know the the way that that I kind of feel about these things and I think it'll be a long long time before I want to put myself through watching that is I see so many of these things that essentially I've gone through and I've I've you know with my phone I've erased the memory of this wonderful person and I've deleted messages and I've I've uh, restricted my ability to to look at her social media and and to all intents and purposes she is now being erased from my life and that's that is bitter enough but you know it's when you get to that point of wanting to forget it all that actually when you look back to those earlier days I didn't delete the photos I moved them to a safe place so they are always there so those those memories don't go anywhere but I don't have to look at them I don't have to come across them and have that pang that when i'm feeling more together about everything i can i can then go and revisit that and i'm in a in a place where i can do that and i just think with some with how effective that eternal sunshine and the spotless mind is with doing that and in having that sort of bittersweet almost hopeful ending i just think at the moment would absolutely ruin me <laughs> so so yeah it's uh it's it's a really it's a really interesting one but i just uh, you know it, it's one of my all-time favorite films but i just find it really really hard to put myself in the mindset of 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 going through that because i've been through it before and at the moment it's it's very very raw and i'll find myself uh, feeling like uh, you know, feeling like he does about um, feel like Joel does about Clementine towards the end, you know. I, if I spend too much time on that, I will start to get to that point, and it's not it's 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 almost kind of not healthy to keep going over that just to be able to put it to one side. But um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> what a film though to to be able to to kind of draw those emotions, and that's and again it it, it sort of links in a weird way back to Nocturnal Animals. That and this is one thing I, I and why I love cinema so much is because a really great moment can draw emotion out of you and can a turn a mirror on yourself and b make you feel things. So nocturnal animals made me feel 
fear and and helplessness on behalf of the family and anger and frustration and that that was that was kind of real as i was watching it and uh an eternal sunshine it 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 generates that sort of that that bittersweet uh, but also weirdly hopeful feeling uh, that that you know that you know love potentially could endure uh, and it's but at the same time watching this relationship disintegrate in reverse uh, it's, it's so effective that, that that when it kind of hits that hits that point later in the film it just breaks your heart because it's so bright and cheerful but you know where it's going uh, and yeah uh, that's just the, the magic of film that it can that it can draw that cathartic reaction out of you even when you don't necessarily want to put <laughs> put yourself in the way of watching it again so so yeah so yeah scott i mean that's obviously that that kind of shows i think that you were saying like the power of films and how they can work and everything and clearly eternal sunshine of the spotless mind was written from that place probably as a catharsis of what he was going through at the moment which seems to be a very similar thing to what you might be going through at the moment as well which shows that that kind of thing because you wouldn't get someone just pulling that out of thin air unless it actually kind of gone through that as well and probably thought those things and it was well ahead of its time but uh, yeah really good really good kind of like uh yeah, way of looking at it. I yeah, think. definitely, and and it's so so astute and so you know so truthful in 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 the 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 feeling of it and and the emotion of it. So so yeah, so you know for for you guys listening, that's a rare moment of of sort of emotion and, and as I say catharsis for for us here. But uh, you know that that's the the beauty in the all encompassing nature of film is that we can we can talk about it as entertainment and we can talk about it as having that that deeper stronger meaning to us and, and again i think uh, i think we'd all agree that you know potentially as we go down this 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 rabbit warren we could we could find other films that we would uh, that we would discuss but sound off on our social media which we'll give you at the end if there are films that you particularly love that you don't think you could approach again for whatever reason whether it is you know from a, from a phobia from uh from an emotional point of view or that it just you know scarred you for life but uh gents thanks for that i uh, i really enjoyed that and in a weird way kind of needed it so thank you now we've uh <laughs> now we've got all emotional shall we uh effectively defecate all over that and uh and go for a bit of uh, a pitch battle Okay, so let's yeah. give it a, its proper introduction. Gentlemen, are you ready for this week's Pitch, pitch Battle? battle. <laughs> so, uh, we're running quite close to the end of this, this first kind of run of Pitch Battles because we're going to freshen things up uh, in the next few weeks. We're going to have a bit of a review and different... Uh, different features so we're going to mix it up keep it interesting for you but uh we will be bringing pitch battle back again in the future once uh, everybody's nerves have repaired if you've not heard the podcast before and are unfamiliar with pitch battle the concept is really simple basically we are given three things it's an actor an item and a genre 
What we do is essentially write our own pitch, which we present in the form of a pitch or a trailer or a, a sound and mood board, as some of Kevin's have been in the past. Uh, and uh, essentially, we we kind of square off against each other and decide between the, between ourselves who we think the winner is, and hand it over to you to tell us uh, who you think particularly won that pitch battle. So. We're quite honoured this time out because the person who has contributed our pitch battle items is none other than the writer of Wilderness that we reviewed in our last uh, podcast, which if you've not seen it, it's available to rent now. Uh, Both Kevin and Craig have both seen it and gave it absolutely sparkling reviews. And I can't wait till I'm kind of in a in a place where I can I, I can kind of watch it uh so dr neil fox himself not that one uh, <laughs> he has given us these three following items gentlemen do you have your pens ready i do indeed ready. okay so our actor is the beautiful luminous and brilliant amy adams the item is a goat and our genre once again it's come round again already it's our western so, Lovely. we now have five minutes to write our pitches, but for you, fair people, we will be back in just a minute. Pens, pencils, writing implements, quills, down, gentlemen. So, how did you find that one? Uh, yeah. Yes, I found it. <laughs> you found it on your page. So... Before we uh, before we came back on the air, we decided in the most scientific way of going, uh, I'll go first, I'll go second, I'll go third. Um, so we've decided our order. So it's going to be myself, Craig as the man sandwich in the middle, and Kev as the crust on the end. So, <laughs> so uh, I will present my pitch first. So presenting his very own Amy Adams starring... Goat featuring Western, it's Mr. Scott Harrison, a.k.a. Miss Elf. After her husband was killed in the Civil War, attempting to return his giraffe companion, Marielle decided to uproot her family of five children and drive their herd of a hundred goats across country to start a new life. Can she protect her family and their livelihood on this perilous journey? Variety called it a sweeping epic. Empire said, finally, the film that will score Amy Adams her Oscar. The Sun said, they milked it a bit. Amy Adams in Goat West. (laughs) Very good, very good, very good. good. See, I'm attempting to start a a pitch battle cinematic universe now by including (laughs) a previous pitch battle in as a a prequel. Very good. Brilliant. It was nicely tied in. Thank you. (laughs) I, I wanted to get the uh, the Fabergé egg and uh, and Clint Eastwood in there somewhere, but I, I just yeah I, I couldn't crack it. Very good, very good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. The puns are still they're coming thick and fast. <laughs> He's thick, I'm fast. <laughs> I, I was going to leave it for you to say. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> okay, so to go second, it's Mr. Craig Woodfield with his Amy Adams starring goat featuring. Western. In a time when men rode the trails and kept the law, one woman stood alone, strong, fierce, 
and defiant. She tended her goat herd of forty. That will become relevant later on. Alone. Rustlers would disrupt her world. She would have to cross the plains of America for her goats, accompanied by the one goat that remained, Billy. This summer, Amy Adams stars in The Unforgoten. <laughs> oh, that's that's some epic pun gymnastics. <laughs> when speaking to you, you know, you say start with a pun, so that's what I started with, uh, and and worked backwards from there. Brilliant, brilliant. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I got the puns, but I don't know. Let's see, let's see what I've got. <laughs> so finally. Presenting, here's Amy Adams starring Goat Featuring Western. It's Mr. Kevin Haney. Amy Adams is making a mark, a mark in a man's world. Who is that girl? Why, she the fastest gun in the West, don't you know? Not only the fastest gun in the West, but the fastest in the North, South, and East, too. <laughs> Hi, boys. It's time. It's high noon. And I'm here to take the West back. Shit. Why, this girl could be described as the greatest of all time. Amy Adams is G O A T. Goat. <laughs> Starring Gene Hackman as the voice of the goat. <laughs> uh, Brilliant. There we go. So Brilliant. technically not a, not not an actual goat in there, but I was thinking because initially I was like, well, Gene Hackman's always in the decent westerns, and I know he, he might come out of retirement to do the voice of a goat. Yeah. Um, but then I just thought the greatest of all time. Yeah. There you go. That's it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Excellent. So we will give you our social media accounts at the end. Sound off on those and let us know what you thought of this episode's pitch battle. Which brings us neatly to our Tracks of the Trade Spotify playlist. So for those uninitiated, the Tracks of the Trade Spotify playlist is basically a steadily growing list of movie score music that we all love. Uh what we do is we pick a, a choice each, and if it's on Spotify, of course, because obviously it's a, it's a playlist on there, we add it to the playlist, and we're attempting to build up a large and eclectic mix of different uh, styles and sounds from the movies uh, that hopefully you'll find something that you love. So we, we have a real range, and I think... Uh, you know, we get everything from sort of synths to uh, Chris has got quite a, a sort of a jazzy, a jazzy style and preference to his. I like it. I like an epic. Craig uh, has, has thrown in a few great electronic tracks as well. And you know, between us all, we're creating something I think that's quite beautiful. And it's it's to share with you. We will share the links to the Spotify playlist at the end and on our social media, particularly on our episode notes. Uh, but in the meantime, what we'll do is we'll start with Craig and we'll go through each of our choices for this episode's Tracks of the Trade. So I have 
kind of stuck with the electronic uh, theme and I thought it was time that I went to my favourite film of all time which is Fight Club. Uh, now I kind of have an issue saying that it's my favourite film because a lot of people jump on the bandwagon and anybody that knows <laughs> me um, I, I tend to not like bandwagon um, and uh, that, that, <laughs> that rubs me up the wrong way so some people when I tell them Fight Club is my favourite film they do that oh really um, and they give me a look with their um, that, that, that angers me uh, but anyway uh, the Dust Brothers uh, did the uh, soundtrack uh, to Fight Club uh, and the, the track that I've gone for is Who is Tyler Durden I'm sure that most of you know who Tyler Durden is but if you do just you know keep it on the down low on social media but that's my choice let's not talk about it really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> excellent so I'm going to go up next and I have uh, I've picked a film that's uh, that's we have a link with this piece of music because uh, Junkie XL aka Tom Holkenberg he uh, wrote and composed the score for uh, Godzilla vs Kong which we reviewed earlier so what I've done is trying to link it in and I've picked one of uh, the tracks from a different one of his movie scores and I've gone for the brilliant Mad Max Fury Road uh, and the the track that I've I've picked is called Brothers in Arms and it's uh, the sequence of the film towards the end uh, with the uh, big chase through a canyon and uh, yeah it's just a really sort of intense rousing piece of music it's again I'm, it's going for the epic i love things uh, particularly movie score music that gets the blood pumping and uh, you know sounds sounds big and sounds like it should underscore something spectacular and that, that's exactly what brothers in arms is uh, it's a great piece of music and i you know i think i think we might see junkie xl turning up uh in a future tracks of the trade kev what's yours well my one comes from one of my favorite westerns of recent years it's the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford a wonderful soundtrack by nick cave and warren ellis this is nice and simple track one rather lovely thing a lovely piece of music and in fact the album i would recommend you picking up anyway or just putting it on on spotify and just listen over let it wash over you it's a lovely kind of like sit there read a book with a glass of red wine and listen to the music of Nick Cave and Warren Ellis, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. I would heartily recommend that. It's as nice and sounding and soothing as my voice was just <laughs> I, I feel more relaxed now. <laughs> A big hello to all you truckers out there. <laughs> Awesome. So I will add those tracks to the playlist. They will be available as the podcast launches. Uh, so you'll be able to, to pick those and all of the other tracks that we've added to Tracks of the Trade very, very soon. Which brings us neatly to the end of our 18th Monkey See Monkey wow. Review podcast. Yes, 18. We so have become adults. We have. We are now. <laughs> the podcast is now Legal legally allowed to drink. To drink. And vote, so uh, and, smoke. And, and smoke, yes, and play the lottery. So, uh, and play the so lottery. yeah. So it, it, from next week, we're going to be drunk uh, with a fag on, gambling and voting, so, <laughs> uh, or, or something. I don't know. I've, I've completely, I've completely lost this. Uh... <laughs> Listen, it, it's not easy trying to think of interesting things to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving this in. I always, I always love it when we lose it. 
so to bring us to the end of this this monumental episode um I'm going to ask a few things of you for listeners. Firstly, it's the thing we always ask, and if you can do it, it would be, you know, it'd mean the world to us. Uh, if your podcast provider, particularly uh, Podchaser or uh, Apple Podcasts, if they offer the opportunity to leave reviews, honestly, leave in a positive review for us, even though, you know, we go off on random, <laughs> random flights of fancy and tangents. If you enjoy that, if it makes you laugh or you just like us, um, please, you know, leave us a positive review. It does, uh, you know, help us become more visible and means more people get to listen to us. So it's, you know, it's, it's really something awesome that you can do for us. In addition, if you are enjoying the Monkey See Monkey Review podcast and you know somebody that likes films or just likes a bit of a bit of fun talking about films uh recommend them the podcast because we'd love to we'd love to have them on board as well uh in addition we have various social media for you to get involved with what i do every episode is i add links to each of our uh social media or where i can't add links then i will add the search terms for them we have a an instagram which is probably the most active thing we're on at the moment uh which is monkey see monkey review we also have twitter which is at msmr pod we are on facebook uh the monkey see monkey review group if you search for that you'll be able to track it down otherwise follow the link on the episode notes both me and kev uh log our films and write reviews every now and again on letterboxd so you can see what we're watching see what we're thinking of it uh we will leave links for both of letterboxd on the the show notes as well and if you're of a mind to drop us an email we are at msmrpod at gmail.com and that just about wraps that bit up as i say don't worry about writing it down we'll write it all down for you on the the episode notes you just have to scroll down and look so that brings us to the end of another monkey see monkey review podcast once again you know we've we've made it to 18 uh and i'm just yeah delighted to to be able to <laughs> keep doing this keep having fun and you know it's it's kind of real therapy for me at the moment as well as you probably wouldn't be surprised from what we discussed earlier, so yeah, I, I love doing this. It gives it you know it gives me a real buzz to 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 do it and to to be able to talk to you know three of my closest friends. I know Chris isn't here today, but he's still included in that. So yeah, uh, please come back and join us again. Uh, get involved if you want to let us know uh, about uh, tracks of the trade that you want to have added or any ideas for future features or future pitch battles. Uh, and I just want to say thank you to, to Kevin Craig because uh, you are, as I said earlier, the, the, the guys behind the guys behind the guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, you, you, you're both awesome and your input, as always, I bloody love it. So thank you. Me. Thanks for having us, man. No, thank Great. you very much. I, I love doing it every single time. Fab. We will, we will stop this loving at the end of the episode. Yeah, once upon a time but just at the moment while we've still got the buzz we're going to carry on uh, so that brings us to the very end and all that remains for me to do is to say goodbye goodbye cheerio bye cheers <laughs>